Jewish Audio on Chabad.org. Hello, welcome everybody. This is In Conversations with Chana. I'm Chana Weisberg, and I have a special guest for you tonight. I'm joined by Devorah Goldberg. Welcome, Devorah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Devorah has uh, quite an incredible story to share with us about a pregnancy loss and the laws of family purity that actually contributed to the early detection of this loss. Um, Devorah, first tell us a little about yourself. Where do you live? How many children do you have? What do you do? Okay. So I live in Florida. I live in Carl Springs with my husband and three children. And uh, we actually used to live in Toronto. So this is the, the nice warm weather is uh, new for us. But for sure. um, I am never in, I, I never cease to be in awe of the palm trees and the beautiful weather, which is all year round. Um, I know. So what do I do? Favorite, absolute favorite. I think right? you see them, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and what do I do? I'm an interior designer and I design commercial spaces, interiors of uh, residential spaces as well. And I'm also the host of a podcast called Sparked by Hollywood, which I started back in November. And it's going strong, one episode per week. And um, my life is full, Baruch Hashem, That's primarily okay. my family, but yeah, everything else too. That sounds very full. So how, how many children do you have? Three kids, thank Three God. Three children, wow. Yeah. And what are their ages? Uh, Chesky's 16, Adina is 14, and Dasi's 11. I have to think, because like when their birthdays happen, I'm like, right. how old are they now? <laughs> wow, beautiful. Okay. Yeah. And what brought you into interior design? What got you into to doing that? So actually, I was a teacher when I first started off. Um, my first couple of years, I was teaching uh, elementary school, and... I found that in the evening times, I was just marking papers, I was speaking to parents, I was, you know, preparing so much. And I said, you know, I want a career that I love, but I'm not taking home with me at night. So I decided interior design sounds good. I'm creative. Let me go to school and learn that. But then I, I, I found myself bringing all the work home as well anyway. So that part didn't really fan out The work, the work well. never ends, right? It never ends. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so tell us a little about the story of yours. When did this happen? When when did this loss that you experienced happen? So in 2016, I was pregnant, unbeknownst to me. And um, what happened was a number of weeks leading up to when I figured out that I was pregnant or when I found out, I was experiencing a lot of abdominal pain um, and a lot of bleeding. So the abdominal pain, we as women, or maybe I should just speak for myself, I push it to the side. Even, you know, monthly menstruation, I'm like, okay, fine, it's going to happen for a day or two, skip the Tylenol, I can handle it, we still have dinners to make, we still have to go to work, we have shopping, we got kids, you know, it's fine. So I was just kind of letting it go, I was just kind of turning a blind eye to it. The problem that was bothering to me was the fact that I had I had just finished my period. So it started off with my period lasting about five, six days. And as a religious Jew, I keep the family purity laws, which means that at the time when a woman has her menstruation, in addition to seven clean days afterwards, and what I mean by seven clean days, that's the day, those are the days when we check ourselves internally to make sure that there's no menstruation flowing at that time. So it's kind of like a buffer zone 
And then at the end of the seven clean days, that's when we immerse in the mikvah and then we can be reunited with our husband. Oh, I didn't say that part. The reason why we follow these laws is because we're taking a separation, a physical separation from our husbands. And then when we immerse in the mikvah, we get together again. We we can be uh, intimate. And that's a time when we, we, we look forward to it all the time. So in this particular instance, I had gotten my period. I was uh, checking my seven clean days. It got up to day number four and I started to bleed. So I started to bleed and, you know, you you figure out that it's it's the color is no good, meaning it's menstruation blood or something going on. And I said, okay, I got to start again. So I started counting my seven clean days again because we need to have a, a, a complete seven clean days in order to immerse in the mikvah. So I started again and maybe on day number two, I started to bleed again. And then I got clean again. And then on day number four, so this was week after week, this was a couple of weeks trying to get clean, me getting very frustrated, my husband getting very frustrated, but obviously it's a process. And sometimes these things happen with a woman's body. It's not always so clean and clear, mind the pun. So, so you kept on bleeding and this was going on for how long? About, about a period about of three, four weeks, three, four weeks. Okay. And, and you were also experiencing this, abdominal pain during this time. Correct. Okay. But you didn't think to see the doctor. I did. You did. I did. After a few weeks, I said, you know, this is strange. This is odd. And it was, you know, getting into the Rosh Hashanah time, the Yom Kippur time. And I said, I got to figure this out. It's getting very busy. So I went to a doctor. She checked me out and she said, I don't see a problem. Women bleed all the time. You're okay. Just take this pill. It's going to stop your bleeding and you're good to go. And in, with my women intuition, I knew there was something else mm. to just the bleeding. Our bodies just shouldn't bleed on and off like that. Um, so that was a question mark for me, but I still didn't know the answer. I didn't know what was going on. Fast forward a couple of days. Um, my husband was out of town. He went to Vancouver to Davin for a congregation there for Yom Kippur. And I was home with the kids. I was planning on just spending Yom Kippur at home with them having a low key day, you know, every, you know, fasting, taking care of kids. And then that morning I woke up, I was in extreme pain. So I called my bubby. I said, can you come over and watch the kids? I just, I have to check something out. You know how you kind of have to, you, ha you have to downplay it when the bubby is involved. Sure. But she said, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I'll come over. I drove myself to the hospital and what took a number of hours and a number of tests, but the emergency room always takes ridiculously long. Um, they found out that I was pregnant and they wanted to know if, if the fetus was still alive, was, if, if there was a living heartbeat. So they did an ultrasound and they did indeed find a heartbeat. And they told me, ma'am, you're not going home. And I said, what do you mean? You know, there's there's this fast day going on tonight. It's the holiest day of the year. I've got three kids at home. My husband's out of town. Can we work something out? I promise I'll come back tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. They said, there's no way. We, we don't know if you're going to last because it's because it has been going on for so long. Um, so they said, we have to rush you into surgery and you're staying right here. Because, so in, because when you have this... At this kind of pregnancy, like explain what, what was it that was, that was so harmful? 
So firstly, it was, it had infected my fallopian tube oh, and you. that's why, and it was, the baby was growing there. So mm -hmm. that's why it was causing me so much discomfort, such extreme wow. pain. So was this a danger to your life? It was a danger to my life. They said, wow. you might not make it back to your kids oh, if we don't goodness. take out this baby tonight. Wow. So that's amazing that you actually went that day to the hospital. Exactly. Wow. So the timing was... Was not the greatest. <laughs> not the greatest, but it Your was timely. Vancouver, right? Okay. Yeah. So all these mixing emotions were happening simultaneously. Firstly, my logical mind was like, I got to get my kids organized for Yom Kippur. So I had to figure out which family member they're going to go to. I got on the phone with my daughter. I said, pack up this and this and this and this while I'm trying to control myself. I don't want them to see that I'm I'm crying or something's going on. Wow. So the practical side of that had to be taken care of. And then I called my husband. I don't know if I called him first or after that, but um, I told him what was going on. There was clearly nothing he can do from being five hours apart from me, wow. um, besides for sharing words of comfort, words of understanding. Um, it happened to be that the next day in the middle of davening, he happened to faint because Yom Kippur started for me, for him, and there was no way can, we can communicate. And I guess that was on his mind. Oh, wow. And so hard. Wow. Yeah. So thank so God he's okay. Right. So you spoke to him, you spoke to, you got your children organized and. Yeah. And then I was alone. I was mm -hmm. alone with my thoughts. I, I, you have to wait a number of hours from when you last ate. So they said, when did you last eat? I had breakfast at eight in the morning. So they said, okay, you can go into surgery eight at night. Oh, wow. So I had a number of hours that I was fasting on Erev Yom Kippur when everyone mm -hmm. was rushing to have their last meal before the fast. I was fasting and there was nothing to do but wait. And I was also in pain at the same time. And I had this overwhelming feeling of, I have this living heartbeat inside of me. I had the time to contemplate then, right? I was all by myself. I was waiting. I was a mother carrying, nurturing this baby for this small amount of time. I didn't know it before, but now that I knew that I had this responsibility, this motherly responsibility of holding a baby, even though I didn't I wasn't going to, it wasn't going to last. Just that motherly instinct felt so. What were the feelings? What were the thoughts that were going through your head then? So a couple of thoughts. Number one, I'm a mother and mm -hmm. I'm holding on to you and you're causing me a lot of pain, mm -hmm. but I'm still your mother. And I know it's not going to last. I know in a few hours I'm going to send you back up to Hashem because that's his will. Now, as they told me in the hospital that there's a heartbeat, because I'm musical, I think of songs when people say words. Mm -hmm. So Nechama Cohen has a song called Heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And the main stanza was very pertinent to what was happening. Um, just like a heartbeat that's rising and falling, sinking and soaring, it keeps you alive. There, there may be ups and downs, there's no time to waste for waiting around. There's, it, it was re really beautiful and was touching at that moment. And then I came to the realization that there's an Hashemah inside of me that's going to be sent back up to Hashem. And Hashemah meaning a soul, a, a spiritual soul, soul right? Yeah. It wasn't just a body. It was an actual soul. Exactly. 
And there's a song that A.B. Rottenberg composed many years ago, and it's so touching to me because the song is about the soul and about the soul which is in, which is in heaven, and it's about to come down to the earth. And because it was so meaningful to me, I actually played that song when I was in labor with my three children. Oh, wow. and, I, and I felt that connection with it because I was actually bringing the soul down into the world through my body. Mm-hmm. And when they told me that powerful. the soul, yes, exactly. And when they told me that the soul, this baby was going to be no more, I was singing the, the last stanza of his song, which is when the angel says to the, the soul, I'm ready to take you back up to the heavenly throne. And I felt this feeling of, I'm here to guide you. I'm here to lead you. Hashem, you decided this. This is my job right now. And I just kept on singing it in my mind. And um, that's how I went into surgery. Wow, that's, mm. that's so beautiful. It's like sad and beautiful at the same time. Such a combination of such yeah. thoughts. Wow. So you were singing this song to yourself as you went into surgery. Yeah. Thinking about how you were giving back this soul to God. Yes. This precious soul that you really had for just a few hours, basically. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. And what what happened? Yeah. Uh, What happened next was, well, actually, I'm just going to throw in another piece of a beautiful part of the story is that I always wanted to thank E.B. Rottenberg. I'm, I'm a person who likes to thank people. I like to give people gifts, make people happy especially surprise them when they don't realize how they've impacted me or some situation. So I actually, I've wanted to thank him for years, but I just never looked for his email address. I never got his number. I happened to decide to interview him on my podcast, talking about Jewish music versus Hollywood music. Fascinating interview. Um, And at the end, I said, Abby, I want to tell you a story, how you've impacted my life. And I told him the story. And it was so meaningful to me to be able to give that over to him and realize and help him realize how far his message has come. Because who knows what year he composed that song, like in the 80s, maybe. And in 2016, it brought meaning into a very difficult moment. And not even the difficult one, the beautiful moments of bringing my children into this world. Wow. What was his reaction? He's a humble person. He's he was, <laughs> he was he was happy. Yeah, I, I guess it just goes to show we never know like the ripple effect of what we do or of anything good that we do. You just never, you don't hear about it always. You know, you just you just don't know what what you've done, what you've exactly. accomplished with a smile, with a good deed, with anything that you've done. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. So beautiful. So. So back to the story. So I woke up after surgery and I spent the next day Yom Kippur in the hospital. And uh, before I was leaving that the, the night afterwards, I got a couple of instructions from the doctor and the doctor said, by the way, no intimacy with your husband for another four weeks until surgery is all healed up. And I'm like, do you know how long we haven't touched for? Mm-hmm. You know, it's so easy just to say, that it's not possible. And I'm like, you don't even know what this means. Like I, we just want to cry in each other's arms. Like we're, we're not even, we're so far from each other. And then when we come, when, when my husband comes home, we just want to experience this loss, this experience together. But 
we're committed. We're committed to family purity. And we're committed that when a woman, when I was menstruating, um, we are separate. We don't, we, we don't touch. We're not physically intimate until I have gone to the mikvah. So, so you're it, living in the same house. You're doing things together. You're raising your children together. You're talking. You're emotionally connecting. But you're just not physically touching. Exactly. Wow. Hi again, everyone. I'm sorry for all these technical difficulties, but we are back. And we're back with Devorah Goldberg. Devora, you were just telling us a little bit more about, you know, you were saying how hard it is to keep this commitment. You know, I think a lot of women feel this commitment of family purity, it's hard. I mean, you, 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 you couldn't touch your husband, you wanted a hug, and yet you were committed to this, to, to Tahara, to Mishpacha, to the laws of family purity, where there is no physical touch, even in a time when you so wanted it, how would you respond to women who feel this is just too difficult? So when people say that it's too difficult, it's definitely something which requires some uh, restraint, some commitment, some, some sense of um, holding yourself back, but really seeing the, the whole picture. We do the same thing every day when we stop at a red light, when we stop at a stop sign, when we go to a store and we don't walk out with our merchandise without paying for it. We all practice the sense of restraint and and there's a reason why. So the Torah presented this to us um, and the reason why we have this mitzvah or what is the benefit of it is that when we pull apart and restraint from physical connection with our husband or husband to the wife. It's what I call love in a champagne bottle. So you look forward to this time when it's after your period and it's after the seven clean days and you're finally immersing in the mikvah. But while you're looking forward, you may have days that you want to cuddle. You may have days that you want to give a quick hug or kiss. You may have days that you really want to get physically close, but you can't. So it's like that champagne bottle that when you shake it, the carbonation is building up. So you have this excitement inside of you, but it's being confined to a bottle. It's being confined to inside of you. It's being confined inside of your husband. There's one person you can share this with and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're excited and you're holding back, but you want to hug and you want to be intimate, but you can't. And then finally, when that bottle top pops, the excitement is overflowing and you get to experience that on a real emotional, healthy level. And that's really what the Torah has imbued within the Jewish marriage. Um, did I even answer your question? Because <laughs> I feel like I went off on a tangent a bit. No, you definitely did. You definitely answered. That's great. Um, I, I guess the commitment though is, you know, you're saying it's a commit, it helps you on an emotional level, on a physical level, on a sexual level, it makes you feel that closeness and that connection. Mm -hmm. um, what about someone who doesn't feel that way? What about if it's not working in that way or situations where it might be extreme and not working? Is it then that we just fall back on the fact that this is a commitment that we have to God? Or what is it that keeps you from doing, keeps, holds you and keeps you doing it in that, in those situations? Right. So that's, that's a great question. And I think there's two sides to that. 
So number one, the question is, how do we see the benefit um, of it in our lives? And number two, if we feel that, hey, this is doing nothing for us, why would we keep it? Why would we continue acting this way? So number one, I think that anyone could see the benefit of this because we have the rule, I call it the rule of constant, where anything in this world, which is constant, becomes boring over time. Our mm -hmm. favorite place to vacation, our palm trees outside, unless we actually work hard and we oh, are we're always, mm -hmm. you know, enjoying it. But yeah, maybe that's not a good example. Uh, our favorite <laughs> restaurant, um, anything could become boring over time. And the Torah knows that there's no difference between husband and wife as well. We live together. We're under the same roof. We share a life. We're making decisions together. We're raising our family, hopefully, together. And it can get boring. So let's spice it up. And this is how it is literally embedded within our marriage. Now, if someone feels like this is doing nothing for me or I don't feel like doing it this month. I did it last month. I'll take a break. So that's the time to realize that it's God's will. And with us doing God's will, not because we want it, but because Hashem wants it, that is actually connecting to him and bringing him into our marriage, into the three-pronged relationship that we have. It's not only the connection, as you know, that we have with our husband, but that's bringing Hashem into the home as well. Mm. And I find that um, I see the correlation, how this actually saved my life. And this was a, a very pertinent part of my story because, like I said in the beginning, I was feeling pain, but I was just casting it aside. But at the same time, I really wanted to be together with my husband. We wanted to reconnect, but I couldn't. And that was a red flag for me. Even the doctor, even if the doctor said, you're fine, blood is no problem. She didn't understand the Jewish, the Jewish aspect, the family purity aspect that I wanted to reconnect. And because of so that, that red flag, really pushed you, I guess, to really find out. And that's what helped you to detect that there was this problem. Exactly. Wow. Interesting. That's, that's quite amazing. How are you feeling now about your loss? How do I feel about my loss? I feel that um, I had a task to house a baby inside of me for a number of weeks, and I accepted it. Um, I feel I feel that I, I beautified the moment by connecting to song that helped me really ground me in that moment. And like I said, I it's probably one of my favorite songs, "Come with Me, Little Nishamala," that really mm -hmm. just really grounded me in that moment and connected me with, with, uh, this baby. Um, I do connect with my baby soul. I say it's capital every single, not every single day when I remember, I should say, um, because it's a soul and it's a part of me and it's a part of the family. Um, well, for those who don't understand, what do you mean? You say his capital, you say his chapter and Psalms correspond exactly. to his age. Okay. Correct. Interesting. Yeah. So, I'll say my kids, um, capital, their chapter as well. And, um, and I'll say this and, and I, it, I, I say the, this, the, the Psalm of the soul, however, whatever age it is right now, it's about six. Mm. It's been about six years. So, um, 
And at the same time, I'm felt I'm, I'm left with gratitude because at the time when my husband and I were experiencing this, there was a there was a culminative the whole time that we were actually physically separated, we could not touch each other and we didn't, we weren't sexually active. This was about three months. Mm. So when we talk about two weeks on and two weeks off and the commitment to taking that break. And then we see that sometimes people are challenged. They have medical situations that may come up and sticking with that commitment, whether it's easy or not, allows us to foster and build uh, the other side of the relationship, which is communication, um, compassion, understanding. So that's maybe husband buying the wife flowers. Maybe at that time, my husband let me sleep in a little bit more. Maybe he took care of dinners and took care of bedtime for the kids a little bit more. Um, and just talking, talking and feeling things out because touching wasn't an option. Hmm. So it's, it's really about, I guess, keeping an emotional connection, developing an emotional connection, because sometimes physical um, you know, a kiss could cover so much. And here you have to really work through the issues of your relationship. Exactly. So in those two weeks where you're not touching, you're actually looking at the relationship as a whole, as, you know, as the, as not only the physical aspects of it, but also the emotional and other parts of it where you're really Absolutely. working on in it. Interesting. And, and I have heard from some women that it's very hard for them. It's a very hard mitzvah to keep the time away from their husband, the preparation from the for the mikvah in the midst of a very busy day, or sometimes you're on vacation and you got to fit it into your schedule. And uh, I was going somewhere with this. How, um, difficult, how it's sometimes difficult. Yes, the emotional side is very real. And mm -hmm. yes, we dealt with it for three months, being separated for, well, we were under the same roof, but not touching for three months. But even for two weeks, it's very real. It's it's a feeling that you really want to be together. And I think acknowledging that to yourself as a woman and also acknowledging that between husband and wife is super important to get through it because you're, act you're acknowledging that you want each other. So that's a good thing. And you can say, this is hard, but you know what? We have three more days. We've got two more days. I'm really excited. What are we going to do exciting? We're going to have a dinner and, you know spice it up, making it, make it exciting and tell each other that you really miss each other. Cause that's the essential component to a marriage. Right. Wow. I'm curious what happened with your children. How did they react to, did they understand what happened when you came back after Yom Kippur? They did understand. I did explain to them that I was pregnant and the baby was supposed to grow in the middle of my stomach and it was growing in the side. And it was, it was, it was stopping right there. And there's only so much place that the baby can grow. And they were sad. They were, they, they've reminisced over the years, you know, if we had this, if the baby had been born, we would have had a sibling, this or this or this age. Um, and we talk about it because it's a, it's a form of grieving, of mourning, of loss, of what could have been. And we make space for it and we talk about it and we, we just acknowledge what was and thank Hashem for our health. And I, I think it gives kids 
an extra sense of compassion, knowing that different things happen in different people's lives. Right. And um, it's right. not always so rosy. Right. Well, Tabor, we're, we're happy that you are here with us today. We're glad that you're well and healthy and that you, you found this, this pregnancy in the right time so that you could save your life. Um, God forbid what, what could have happened if you hadn't gone to the hospital that day. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any, is there any message or lasting thoughts that you want to share with us about your story? I, I think you, my thoughts, sorry, what you take from it, the, like what, what, what you think back when you think of that story, what, what's the lingering message that you have for it? I think my lingering message is, and something that I always reflect upon is that we are all on a journey in life. And I know that sounds cliche. People talk about it all the time. We're all, we're all on a journey, but I think that if we look within ourselves and we reflect somewhat, I like to meditate sometimes, just sit in silence, understand what's going on. Um, understand that there's a reason why things happen. Um, finding a deeper meaning, finding beauty in it. That's essentially what I did when I found out that I was pregnant and that the baby was going to be taken out and that my life was being saved essentially. Um, And just to realize that there's a bigger picture that in the moment we may not see it, but thinking ahead that there's going to be a moment of retrospect. I'm going to feel better. It's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. There's a reason for this and being present in the moment that, that for me is, it's something that I think will take, it takes me through life. And, um, and I think it's something that we can all, we We can all all live by. Yes, absolutely. We all have our own stories. hundred percent. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Devorah. We wish you Nachas from all your children and only good health and happiness. Thank you. Thank you.